Well, good morning, church. My name is Camille Maddock. I'm the associate pastor here at Valencia United Methodist Church, and what a joy it is to be in worship with you this morning. We are entering our second full week of Lent, a time when we are seeking to be more introspective and more focused on our relationship with God and how we live our lives as followers of the risen Christ. You know, our series for Lent is On the Road with Jesus, a look at the transformational encounters that happened when Jesus met individuals while he was traveling. Ultimately, it's a series about road trips. You know, Andy and I, Maddie and Jackson, we took a two-week road, cross-country road trip almost six years ago in the summer of 2018. It was part of an eight-week renewal leave that we took to recover from, to be refreshed for continued ministry. Now, you may be wondering how a cross-country road trip with a 12- and a 15-year-old could be considered renewing and refreshing. It's a fair question, but this was actually probably the best part of our renewal leave. It was transformative for me, for Andy, for our kids, in part because we took the time to stop for encounters. Andy and I downloaded apps that would highlight all the silly little pieces of Americana that would be along our route. The world's largest rocking chair, the world's largest bird cage. We even stopped to see the world's largest ruler, which was a little confusing because it was a 12-inch ruler, but it was actually 36 feet long. But on this trip, we stopped any time that we wanted to, anytime anyone needed to, for a break to stretch our legs because something beautiful caught our eye. Andy still picks on me because one of the first stops we made was in Zion National Park and I was just overwhelmed by the beauty and by being with our family that I was brought to tears. We made a point on this trip to connect with a lot of people, family and friends, old and new. It was a trip that was filled with great experiences and special visits. This transformational experience was possible because we had very little agenda on our drive. We were open to the circumstances that presented themselves. And it strikes me that this series, On the Road with Jesus, is similar. We're going to hear stories of Jesus being open to encountering people and new experience. We will see people who were open to these encounters and how they were transformed by them. And we'll have the opportunity as a Lenten series to let these stories transform us as well. So before we look into another encounter while Jesus was on the road, will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we know that you are present with us now in this very moment. Open our hearts to feel your love and your care for us. Help us to hear the message that you would have for us this morning. May the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. Now, Andy kicked us off last week by looking at how Peter's encounter with Jesus led to Peter answering the call to get off the boat and on the road. And this week, we're looking at one of the many healing encounters that Jesus had while he was traveling. Well, actually, it's two encounters, or rather, one encounter that is interrupted by another. And so let's begin with the text itself from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Now, this is a long scripture section because I wanted you to hear both 
of the connected stories. And so we begin with the first healing story. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on the way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were waiting and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now these two stories up here in all the synoptic Gospels, Matthew and Mark have a story very similar to Luke's. All three Gospels have them sandwiched together like this, with Jairus asking for Jesus to heal his daughter, and then the sick woman interrupting the journey and seeking her own covert healing. And then it concludes with Jesus continuing on the road to heal Jairus' daughter. These two healing encounters have a great deal of similarities. Both encounters uh, come because the individuals in them are drawn to Jesus. Jesus' fame is spreading. The crowds were following him everywhere he went just to see what he would say and what he would do. Jairus and the sick woman would have heard the stories about his miraculous healings, and in their urgent need for a miracle, it makes sense that they would try to find and encounter Jesus. That's another similarity. You see, they're both desperate. One is a father who is watching his young daughter suffering and dying. He comes and he drops to his knees and begs for Jesus to intervene. He's pleading for the kind of miracle that he has heard Jesus can perform. And the woman in our story is desperate too. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years without any relief. She has tried all that she could, visiting every every available form of help. The Gospel of Mark tells us that she has spent all that she has on doctors and seeking medical help. And instead of getting better, she's only gotten worse. 
bankrupted and without any other option, she too comes to encounter Jesus. Both Jairus and the woman have to fight their way through a crowd to get to Jesus, a crowd that Peter makes clear is itself aggressively trying to connect with, trying to get close to Jesus. The crowd is just another obstacle in the way. And many of the public that surround Jairus and the woman would go further. They would challenge their desire to even approach Jesus for help. Between doctors and mourners, they're both told that there's no hope for them. It's not hard to identify with these aspects of their stories. We all know too well the frailty of human life. And even if we haven't felt the desperation of begging for healing ourselves or for a loved one, we know stories of individuals who were as desperate as Jairus or this woman was. In both these stories, the circumstances that drive them towards Jesus, the man that they had heard so many unbelievable stories about, both their circumstances were beyond their control. They had reached a breaking point, frantically seeking help beyond what the world could offer, and they both found themselves reaching out to another whom they believed would have had what they needed, reaching out with a faith that they may not have realized that they had. When they heard Jesus was nearby, that he was on the road near them, they ran to him, trusting him for something that everyone else was powerless to do. For all their similarities, there are some differences between these characters. You see, the hemorrhaging woman approaches in silence. She sneaks in and touches the hem of Jesus' cloak. She doesn't ask for healing. She takes healing without permission, without acknowledgement, without any actual connection to Jesus. Jairus, on the other hand, comes pleading. He falls on his knees before Jesus. He makes a formal request after being prostrate before Jesus. Mark's gospel says that he begs repeatedly for Jesus to come and help. Those are very different approaches. The other striking difference between the two is in their social standing. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue. He would have been well-known and well-respected. He would have been seen as righteous and pure and worthy of God's favor. The woman was not on the same social standing. The very illness that drove her to Jesus made her uh, unclean, gave her a bad social standing. It would have prevented her from even worshiping in the temple. She would be an outcast, not just unclean, but untouchable. In fact, anything that she touched, including others, would be considered unclean themselves. She may have once been a woman of financial means, but the illness took that from her too. With their similarities and their differences, there is much that we can learn from these two healing and transformative encounters with Jesus. Lessons that can help us to transform our life of faith. You see, the healing of the hemorrhaging woman is a lesson in courage. This woman is bold in her faith. Yes, that boldness is born out of her circumstances and her desperation, but boldness rarely comes from satisfaction and peace. This woman had courage in her need. Courage to disregard social standings. Courage to break religious rules and expectations. Courage to risk humiliation and shame. In her need, 
her faith comes in aggressive and bold action. She knows that any touch from Jesus, whether permitted or covert, will result in her being healed. Knowing this, she crawls forward and takes what she wants by touching his hem. There's a beautiful mural painting in a church on the Sea of Galilee in Magdala, the birthplace of Mary Magdalene. It's called uh, uh, Duke in Altum, Latin for put out in the deep. It comes from the story that Andy preached on last week where Jesus tells Peter to move into deeper waters so that he can fish. This mural is simply called Encounter. It's the backdrop of one of its chapels. I think it's a striking mural. You can almost feel the pressure of the crowd, the fact that this woman would have to have been low down crawling on the road, low enough that she would be in danger of being kicked, of being stepped on, even possibly trampled by the crowd around Jesus. And it was likely just a split second in which she had the opportunity to act, to reach out, to touch Jesus, to take the healing that she so desperately needed. This mural I think shows the intensity of that moment. And as soon as she touches Jesus, she's healed. After 12 miserable years, she is free of her physical and her social ailment. And more importantly, Jesus notices. Both the Gospels of Luke and Mark say that Jesus feels the power come out from him when she touches him. This feels different than the touching from the rest of the crowd. So Jesus turns around and he asks, who touched him? And suddenly, everything stops. No one wants to admit that they touched Jesus. The disciples even try to explain it away by telling Jesus that it could have been anyone and everyone. The crowd was pushing and trying to get close to him. At this point, the woman could have crept away. She was already healed. She didn't have to stay. But she doesn't run away. Instead, even while she's trembling, she presents herself before Jesus, and she tells him everything. The whole truth, who she is, what has happened, why she needed to be healed, and how she touched him. And Jesus' response is simply to say, daughter, your faith has healed you, and to tell her to go in peace. The lesson we can learn from this encounter is that our faith comes when we have the courage to go to Jesus in our need. When we have the courage to see Jesus not just as a superstar that we're intrigued by like the rest of the crowd, but as someone who can help us in our desperate moments like the hemorrhaging woman, faith comes when we have the courage to let go, to let go of pride, to let go of our shame, to let go of our expectations, to let go of our worry. Faith comes when we can have the courage to boldly step forward and to reach out to Jesus. And we don't have to worry about how we encounter him. We can't defile him. This woman is proof. When she touched him, her touch didn't make him unclean. And yet he was able to restore her to fullness of life. Another lesson 
the encounter of the hemorrhaging woman teaches us is that faith comes when we have the courage to speak the truth, to present our whole selves before Jesus, to give all that we are, the good, the bad, the ugly. This woman told Jesus her whole story, and Jesus responds not by condemning her, not by chastising her boldness. He looks and he sees her. Not as the crowd or others might see her. He sees all that she is and he responds by calling her daughter and then sending her forward with a blessing of peace. And then there's the second encounter with Jairus, which is a lesson in fear. Jairus encounters Jesus with so much fear. His beloved daughter is deathly ill. It's the worst fear of every parent. You can feel and imagine the desperation in his voice when he reached Jesus. And then when he finally begins to have uh, hope because Jesus is coming with him to see his daughter, suddenly everything stops. Someone has interrupted his journey and prevented Jesus from doing what he needed Jesus to do so urgently. I often wonder how Jairus reacted to this interruption. Did he stare with wonder like others in the crowd? Was he too anxious, too fearful to see the miracle that was happening before him? Was he debating whether or not he should just pull Jesus away from this obstacle that was preventing him from getting to his daughter? And then while Jesus is sending the healed woman on his way, the news arrives that all this begging, all this pleading was in vain. They were too late. His fear was realized and his daughter was gone. He's even told that there's no need to bring Jesus anymore. And that's when Jesus turns back to him and immediately tells him not to fear, but to still believe. Can you imagine how difficult that was? Believe what, Jesus? Believe that everything will be okay now that his daughter's dead? Believe that it was all going to be okay when the one fear that drove him in desperation had finally come true? Now, I don't, I don't know if Jairus responded that way, but it's not hard to believe that he could have responded that way. I feel like that's how I would have responded if I was in his shoes. And probably with a whole lot of added resentment towards the woman that had stopped Jesus so she could be healed. Jesus tells others not to fear a lot. To, he says it to his disciples, to individuals he encounters. And often we read chastisement into this command. We think it's a statement of frustration and annoyance by Jesus. Why can't you people just trust me? The problem is... That by the time Jesus is usually telling people to not fear, the people he is addressing are already consumed by their fears. And rightfully so in this case, Jairus' worst fear had come true. It's real. It shouldn't be dismissed. There's no way to move from this fear directly into faith, not easily, not without pain. And for Jesus to scold Jairus in that moment feels off. You know, I think that how we hear, how we often interpret do not fear is not actually what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says do not fear, only believe, it's not a reprimand or a condemnation of the lack of faith in his followers. I think it's supposed to be a reminder to them 
A reminder to us that even in these moments of fear, he is present. And that God, the creator, is present through him. It's not a command to be fearless, but a reminder that we can face our fear because we are not alone. The lesson from Jairus' encounter with Jesus is not that faith is the opposite of fear, but that faith makes it possible to face our fears. Jesus eventually makes it home to where Jairus' daughter is laying. The house is surrounded by mourners, friends, and family, community. They're all wailing and crying out. Jesus tells them to stop. He says that the girl's not really dead, and the crowd responds in laughter. The absurdity of his statement is more than they can comprehend in their pain and in their grief. And Jesus takes a few trusted disciples and Jairus and his wife into the home. And there he takes the girl's hand and he raises her from the dead. He tells her to sit up and she does. The lesson from this encounter is that our faith comes when we open our eyes to see the miracles that are happening around us. The crowd couldn't see the miracle that was going to happen. Their own fear prevented that. Miracles happen in the world around us every day. Maybe not as dramatic as the one in this particular encounter, but they still happen. And if we want to see the ways that God is at work in the world around us, we have to be willing to open our eyes to see them. And there's the challenge as I see it. Lent invites us to be more open to these kind of encounters, to strive to see, to experience Jesus in new ways. Our Lenten challenge is meant to nudge us in that direction. Pray, give, rest. We're challenged to pray in new ways, to give to others as an act of faith and obedience, to find the rest that Jesus' words carry. Do not be afraid but believe. Our challenge for this coming week is in giving acts of kindness. It may be that your kindness, your tenderness, will become the healing that another needs this week. It may be that a bold act of faithful kindness brings you some comforting encounter. My prayer for us this week and in this Lent is that our encounters with Jesus would bring us transformation in our life, and in our faith, just as it did for Jairus and the unnamed woman. Would you please join me in prayer?